Welcome back to Career Compass, a podcast from SHRM, the Society for Human Resource Management, and the SHRM Foundation. This is the podcast that prepares the future leaders today for better workplaces tomorrow. As the voice of all things work, SHRM supports students and emerging professionals with advice, information, and resources for every step of your career. This show, Career Compass, is the podcast for students and emerging professionals and delivers timely, relevant, and critical conversations about work to help you succeed in your career journey. Thank you for joining us for this episode. My name is Erica Young, and I will be your co-host. And my name is Kevin Abbott, and I will also be your co-host for this episode. During this episode, we'll be learning more about how COVID-19 and the global health pandemic have impact emerging professionals, and more specifically, those searching for new job opportunities. To help tackle this topic, we will be joined by executive coach and facilitator and the chief strategist at Finepoint HR, Eric Knob. With that being said, let's get started. So Erica, I have a lot of appreciation for college students' ability to focus on academics while on campus in the middle of a literal pandemic. Could you imagine being in college at this time with so much uncertainty? Yeah, a lot of the college experience is about networking, group projects, working with other people, you know, even some social gatherings. But during a pandemic, students are going to have to be really creative and safe with how they interact with one another. Exactly. I couldn't agree more. And you kind of got to consider, you know, getting an internship or job when so many companies are still operating remotely and may not be hiring. It's a real tough market out there, but there is some light at the end of the tunnel. And to help us navigate these difficult times, we are lucky enough to have an industry expert, Eric. Yes, we appreciate Eric for joining us, and I'm so excited to share a bit about him. For more than 20 years, Eric Knott has successfully coached and developed outstanding people in world-class organizations. Prior to establishing Finepoint HR, where he currently serves as chief strategist, Eric was the vice president of human resources at Basis Educational Group, which is the Phoenix-based firm that runs the world's top-performing K-12 schools. Eric is a dedicated HR professional serving in a variety of roles throughout his career, including as the former president of the SHRM Greater Phoenix chapter. Eric remains connected to students as an instructor in the School of Business at Arizona State University. Right on. Well, thanks for having me. Absolutely. Thank you so much for joining us. We're excited to chat with you, and I'm sure many of the students listening on the call are excited to listen to uh, your insights. Yeah, you you know, and and something that uh, you were mentioning earlier about students adapting to this environment, and, and periodically I get accused of looking at the silver lining of things, but it's a good dry run for them because realistically, uh, a big part of their uh, networking and their um, interaction with teams now is virtual. I mean, we're becoming, you know, the planet is getting smaller and smaller. And so it's it's good practice in how to network, how to build connections, how to build relationships virtually. So hopefully there, um, although it's not an ideal environment, hopefully this sets those students up that are being impacted, that are getting ready to graduate now. It sets them up to be, in fact, better networkers when they join their firms and gain the, the ability to, you know, kind of network with folks uh, on the other side of the world. Yeah, that's a really great point. And to your point, it's 
a great experience for for testing out, I think, a lot of processes before they even get into the workplace, giving that a try in the school environment rather than feeling the pressures of a, of a new workplace and having to also navigate that. I could see that being actually kind of a benefit and upside to having the school environment to test it out. So solid point. Yeah, you know, uh, but on the on the downside, of course, they don't get the opportunity to commit the misdemeanors and do all the things that they would normally be doing, um, you know, kind of after hours. So <laughs> I do I do feel for them that their college experience was cut short, but there's always master school, right? So, you know, they can always go back and, and do, you know, do it again. So, oh, well. Absolutely. <laughs> Um, Eric, so in the spring, you were kind enough to uh, share your job searching strategies in a COVID-19 world. For anyone who missed that prior conversation, can you kind of briefly mention a few tips for listeners who are currently uh, in the job market? Yeah, you know, for either students getting ready to graduate or freshly graduated, so, you know, kind of recently graduated students, there there are a few things that that I see that do make their job hunt easier. First is, uh, and and many are going to roll their eyes when I say this because they're going to say, "Oh, I've heard this before," and that is to make sure that LinkedIn is is current and polished and sharp. And so often when I interact with students who feel like, uh, or recent grads who feel like their LinkedIn is updated and current, et cetera, when I look at it on a, on a, you know, a, a virtual meeting with them and just start, so tell me about this section here and tell me what, what, you, what did you do here? Why, why is this phrase the way it is? Suddenly there, there's a, a laundry list of things that, oh yeah, I guess I do need to polish that up. And, oh, I, you know, I could upload my resume into LinkedIn. You can do that. You can upload documents and PowerPoint presentations, et cetera. If you had a capstone project that was directly relevant uh, or directly related to to the business world, particularly to HR, upload that. You know, as long as you were an author in that, upload that and make that PowerPoint um, visible so that you know employers get a better idea as to who you are. But you know, making sure that LinkedIn is current, I, I would say, is is paramount because we as professionals, we are all going to go and look you up on LinkedIn. When you make that great impression, um, the first thing we're going to do, and it's all it's on all of our phones, we're going to look you up on LinkedIn. And so you want to make sure that it speaks well of you. But the second component to LinkedIn is learn how to use it. So, so many students and, and recent grads just use LinkedIn as kind of an online virtual resume. And that's, that's barely 50% of its purpose. And so, and, and applying online, clicking the apply through LinkedIn button, uh, that's, I'm not even counting that. There's a whole other side to LinkedIn and that is the social networking, the, the concept of, Hey, Samsung has a job and um, that that's in HR that I want. And so I'm going to apply for it, but this would be a perfect job for me. And I, and it's right in, you know, in an area of the world that I want to live in, who do I know that works at Samsung? So it's going into LinkedIn, looking at who in your network has connections with people with Samsung, and then reaching out to those people in your network and saying, Hey, will you introduce me to this person in your network and pass along my resume? Because that person is in the HR department or is a hiring manager at Samsung and they've got a job open that I want and learning how to how to use it in that manner. So, you know, truly kind of embracing LinkedIn is is a big part of in my mind of what students can do. And and the second piece would be um 
really leveraging their local chapters. So if they're wanting to stay local and wanting to, you know, if they're living in the city that they want to work in, immerse yourself in your profession. So get involved in the local chapter. Um, even though everything's virtual right now, I get it, but join uh, some of the one or more of the committees, start showing up for the online meetings. As HR folks were doing, um, you know, a lot of online, a lot of online like happy hours and, you know, chat with folks and everybody loves students. We all love students. So the minute that that you tell them, oh, you know, I just graduated or I'm getting ready to graduate with my degree in HR or my degree in business, and I really want to get into HR, the minute you do that, everybody instantly goes into interview mode and they start thinking, huh, do I have a position where you might be a good fit? Or do I know of somebody who has a who has a position where you might be a good fit? And there are all sorts of reasons for that, but but they immediately start trying to size up, you know, the level of talent that you are. Be prepped for that. So just, you know, be casual and talk with people about, oh yeah, you know, these were some of my classes and really interested in getting into into recruiting or getting into comp and and uh, benefits and and data analytics or whatever, whatever it is, employee relations. Be prepared to talk about, you know, what you've done, maybe some internships or some projects you did. And you will, I, I see so many students get jobs through networking through their local SHRM affiliate. You know, and, and briefly, that's the benefit of being part of a profession. I mean, you didn't graduate and, and go into um, general management or um, whatever, you know, kind of a general industry. You, you're going into a profession with, um, with a, a credentialing body, right? SHRM, you know, the, the organization sponsoring this discussion, a great example of the profession taking care of its professionals. And so um, take advantage of that. You're part of a family. And so, you know, certainly immerse yourself in your professional association and you'll find it does wonders for your career. Those are great tips, Eric. I have a couple follow-up questions on those. You mentioned, you know, reviewing student LinkedIn pages and finding some mistakes. I'm wondering, are you seeing any sort of common mistakes? And could you touch on some of those maybe themes or trends that you're seeing students doing with their LinkedIn and maybe some suggestions on how to improve those common mistakes? Wow. You know, so running down uh, a list off the top of my head regarding common mistakes, one would be listing high school. Don't do that, right? And even a community college, so uh, if you're graduating from a four, list your, your terminal school. So whichever the, the, you know, wherever you got a terminal degree from. So the, wherever your, your bachelor's degree is, is going to be from or is from. Some of the others, um, student involvement. So uh, I, I interact with a decent number of students who, for whatever reason, hide the fact that they're involved on campus. So they don't list it on their resume. And so that's, that's absolutely something that, that should be listed in LinkedIn. Um, and typically it's, it's in like a volunteer section, or I, I might even, you know, label it in work experience if it was like a, a vice president role or a director role of a student organization. A key part with being part of a student organization on campus, 
if you still have time before you graduate, is to make sure that that you have a an official title, um, something to put on your resume or something to put in LinkedIn. Employers love that. They absolutely love that. And the, the reasoning for that is actually really simple. On a college campus, the leaders are elected for those student leadership positions. And so this is a case where actually all of the, you know, kind of the employees got together and elected their supervisor. And I think we can all agree that that corporate America would look very different if everybody who was promoted um, actually got elected to that promotional level by their subordinates. The ranks of corporate America would look very different. And in fact, we'd have, you know, better emotional intelligence, more more care paid to the to the employees. Well, I mean, it answers so many questions on the on the businesses side that wow, okay, so this this student is able to lead in a way that builds relationships, that brings people along. They're they're able to, you know, influence without authority, you know, etc. So it answers so many questions. The other is if the the student has no work experience that they would be proud of. So maybe they've just I don't know what you know been a, a like a, a host at a at a restaurant, which I would argue still put that put that down. But you know they're they're wanting something you know business related. I would list some projects and I would go in depth, almost listing them as positions, but specific projects that that student did that were as real world or experiential learning as as possible, and and treat them like positions on the on the LinkedIn profile and on your resume. Because from an employer side, when we read that and say, wait a second, was that a project or was that a job? The minute we reach out to you and ask you, it worked. You're getting an interview, right? The whole point of your resume is to get an interview. That's why, that's the point of your resume. Your resume doesn't get you a job. It gets you an interview. So when when a company's reaching out and saying, wow, so I'm reading your resume. Just help me understand some of these points. It's pretty interesting. It worked. You're getting the interview. And so just be prepared for that. Be prepared to talk through, no, that was a project. Here's here's what I did with that project. Here's how it applies to the work world, you know, and and, and draw those connections for employers. So few, a few thoughts. Uh, another point I wanted to bring out that you pointed out and I think is so, so important with the job market in general is the point around networking and really utilizing, you know, LinkedIn to network with people in your network and also potentially outside of your network. I know I've done this in the past when I was going through a career pivot. I actually had a goal where I wanted to reach out to a new person every week, really just to learn about their roles. But in that process, I had people that, you know, wanted to support my career growth and it was really, really helpful. So I wanted to ask for anyone who's kind of nervous about, you know, reaching out to someone they don't know, do you have any tips or tricks on how to go about sort of crafting that message to someone that they don't know, but they might want to have some kind of informational interview with? Well, you know, Erica, as you were as you were mentioning that, and and LinkedIn always changes, right? Because now now with with COVID nineteen, we've got folks that are um, that are business development people that you know, so the the people that find business for companies, find customers, um, so they've started reaching out and doing what what sounds like very similar to what to what you did, which is you know they just reach out and and connect with people, saying, "Hey, I want to learn more about what you do." 
and I, I hear from folks from from other professionals that liberally spam those contacts because they are so constant. And I know I as well struggle to figure uh, to figure out which of these are are students or people just looking to network, and which of these are kind of thinly veiled efforts to to just sell me something. And so a way of doing this might be um, instead to reach out to people currently in your network. So um, you know your college professors you know, recent grads, people that you've met in the Sherm chapter, um, reach out to them and say, would you mind just letting me know who I could reach out to and buy coffee or whatever, you know, a, a quick lunch to just learn more about the profession or learn more about what I can do to make myself a competitive candidate or, you know, someone to, to just glance over my resume all by the coffee, just spend five minutes with me and, and just, you know, look over my resume. And then from there, reach out to those people in LinkedIn and say, you know, Billy suggested that I reach out to you as, you know, a, as a contact that might be interested in helping me with X, Y, and Z. That is much, at that point, now I know, okay, wait a second. So you were referred by somebody in my network and chances are I'm, I'm probably going to know that person pretty well. Um, based on how you went about this. And so, yeah, I mean, you're, you're very likely you're going to get a response. And in general, uh, professionals, they're not going to pass up an opportunity to interact with a student because we were all there. So we, we all, you know, kind of empathically get the dilemma that students are in where they're trying to, you know, kind of straddle two different worlds, right? They're trying to be successful in college and wrap up that you know, segment of their life while launching a career during a global pandemic. And so we all get it. And so it's like, all right, yep, let's meet for coffee. Let's do it with social distance and all that stuff. But let, you know, let's go to Starbucks or, or, or Zoom and do that networking, you know, whatever it is in your area. But I, I have yet to hear from any of my students that say, yeah, you know what? People won't meet with me or I'm not having any luck with this. I never hear that. As a whole, HR people, we, we do love our students. But just keep in mind, they're only students. They're only, you know, you're only interesting up until right around graduation time. And after that, you become the same as every other candidate. So there's kind of a sweet spot there to, you know, to kind of seize the day and to take advantage of that student status. And you really do, I'm, you really are able to cut people in line for the job search. I mean, what do we call that? Where you're sitting down at a Starbucks with somebody who's an HR hiring manager going over your resume real quick for, you know, five or 10 minutes. What do we call that? I mean, that's an interview. So you got an interview, you just cut everybody in line and got an interview with whatever this HR hiring manager, this HR leader is. Yeah. I mean, you really only get to do that while you're a student. And then after that point, you know, well after you've graduated, we all get very suspicious of, you know, of professionals that have been in the HR world for two or three years who say, Hey, can I meet with you? And will you look over my resume? And you know, it's like, uh, you know what, show up at a Sherm, Sherm meeting and I'll, I'll be there and, and we can talk then. And, you know, let's see, you know, if, if I want to set up a, a, a time to chat with you and get coffee, et cetera, it's different. It's, there's a different expectation. So feel free to seize the day while your students take advantage of it. Yeah. And I think one of the, one of the awesome things about LinkedIn is, it's not like other social medias where you just, you know, follow someone and that's that. It actually gives you the opportunity to kind of pitch yourself a little bit or how you know this person. I know I'm much more likely to connect with someone if they just give like a little blurb of how they know me, how I know them, what kind of connections we have, instead of just saying, 
connect on LinkedIn and kind of that because we have a couple of mutual connections. Yes. Because I, I within 20 minutes of me approving that that connection, which I will because I, I meet a, a lot of people each day and I don't, you know, I, I don't always um, – if I'm giving a presentation or something, there there will be X number of people in the audience. They're going to link with me. So I'll have a whole bunch of connections at the end of that. I, I won't necessarily know those folks. And kind of transitioning to uh, the workplace uh, with, with some young staff, I think one of the important things about keeping younger uh, workers in a time like now where people bounce around jobs all the time, it's not like my parents' generation where, you got a job at 25 and you retired at 65 at the same job where now people are moving laterally, vertically up and down in companies. And how do you think companies are kind of improving their employee engagement and how has that changed due to COVID? A significant part of how employers are keeping the their newer employees, right? The, the millennials or Gen Ys and Gen Zs which millennials aren't that young anymore, right? They're kind of middle-aged. I mean, it is what it is. But, the, you know, specific, so the, the later millennials, um, you know, and, the, and then the, the early Gen Zs, how they're keeping them engaged is, you know, kind of meeting them where they're at. So there's a lot of, uh, they're, they're leveraging Facebook for, um, you know, you can set up kind of work groups in Facebook or, or even um, different uh, collaborating tools like Teams, Microsoft Teams. I know Slack and like Basecamp have been popular, although not that popular, interestingly, during the pandemic. Slack did not see some big uptick in user accounts. So, you know, as, as businesses move to virtual um, work, we did not necessarily incorporate Slack and Basecamp, et cetera. So it's just interesting to see, well, what, you know, what does that look like for online collaboration? But that's a big part of it in terms of engagement is how do you help employees feel like they are connected to their peers when they're, um, you know, in some cases, thousands of miles away, you know, and, and if they just simply can't go to the office, but everybody is local, well, you know, it, there may be opportunities to do um, small, you know, like happy hour events or again, depending on your location, um, small being like five people or less um, happy hour events that that goes a long way. But um, employers are getting good at figuring out how to provide tools that allow employees not only to collaborate on the clock, but even to collaborate off the clock, as horrifying as that is for HR folks. We think about employees um, sharing wine while using the company's Microsoft Teams. Like, <laughs> oh, just <laughs> don't do this. But uh, but that said, I mean, you know, they're doing it. And and they're and realistically, it's it's a risk that the company has to bear and, and has to figure out whether they, uh, you know, kind of the, the, the cost and the benefit because you want your employees to feel connected, invested. Um, but to your, to your point, Kevin, not that they're going to retire with you, but just that they're not going to leave you within six months. And so, because, you know, kind of the, the current norm is, is anywhere between like one and a half to two and a half years being that typical, um, life expectancy of a, of a Gen Z or a late Gen Y at a company. So what can we do to, to make sure that they're productive, that they're engaged and that they're enjoying themselves for those, for those several years that they're with us? But it's, it's about a connected boss, a boss that's, that's accessible. It's about frequent performance feedback, not, not just annual feedback, but you know, at the very least monthly. It's small incremental raises versus you know, once a year. Um, so it's frequent incremental raises. It's, um, it's subtle promotions. 
that versus just the potential of once per year. And it's other perks, right? Like, uh, you know, making sure they have cool laptops versus these clunky, um, I won't name a brand, but, you know, the clunky whatevers that don't really work and, you know, whatever, uh, whatever that are just kind of yesterday's laptops, just something that that's helping them feel like they're a young person trying to make a difference in a company versus a company trying to force this young person to fit a mold that they don't necessarily want to fit in. So I, you know, kind of a, in a nutshell, that's the, the engagement approach at the moment. And it seems to be working quite well. Mm-hmm. And I love your, I, I love that you just said, you know, not forcing, you know, employees to fit this mold. I feel like that's kind of a core part of this conversation around inclusion, right? Is, you know, companies that are doing that really well are not expecting their employees to fit their mold, but rather to create their own mold. And those companies are building in processes to support those, you know, everyone's unique molds, if you will, to carry that example forward. Um, so I really liked that. Well, the the core to that is is what employers have to manage whether or not employees perform, but not always what they look like, sound like, behave like while they're performing. There's more than one way for an employee to perform. And if an employer comes up with this stereotype or this template that, you know what, a good salesperson looks like this, does this, acts like this, shows up at this time, you know, does this for lunch and and what, oh, we lose the potential for so much diversity. I love that. That was a very great point. And to segue, you know, you started to talk about how you're seeing sort of business leaders' mind shift because of this discussion. And I know you've worked with Fortune 20 companies, world-class educational firms, and telecommunications giants. And so I'm curious, can you give us a sense of, you know, what is on our top leaders' minds right now um, in this unique point in 2020? Uh, and what a loaded question. So there's there are a lot of question marks. Two months ago, there were a lot of question marks in terms of what does COVID mean? Um, what does this shutdown mean? What's the impact going to be on our business? How are we going to survive? How's our business going to pivot? Whereas now we're seeing the country start to open up again, right? And we all kind of um, have, oh, we're all, you know, kind of cautiously optimistic with that. But we see the country start to open up and we see employees in some cases some employee you know some employers have shed some of their workforce because they've decided hey you know what I, we're not going to have as many in person customers as an example so we don't need as many in person customer service reps we need more um, online customer service reps or chat you know kind of the um, whatever telephonic customer service reps and so they shed some of those jobs and they build up their workforce in other areas but it's provided an opportunity for organizations to um, to innovate. And a lot of them have been doing that. And so, and probably not a great example, but one that's coming to mind is uh, you, over the course of the last maybe two months or so, I have seen a lot of restaurants while they were closed or while they had you know significantly reduced hours renovating. And I don't know how many of you have caught that in your areas, but a lot of them had this, you know, so these are good leaders when they say, you know what, we've got to be closed anyway. We might as well, we were planning on doing this renovation. We predicted it was, it would 
know, be like a 30, 35% hit to our bottom line um, because we were going to have not have as many booths open or whatever. But you know what? Since we're closed anyway, let's just plow through this and get it done. And so you're seeing some of these leaders look at this and say, okay, I've got downtime. I'm not used to downtime. So what can I do to get as much done as I possibly can? Well, it's not just restaurants doing that. And it's not just with physical things like renovations. It's a lot of organizations taking a look at this and saying, so what is our business going to look like? We're going to be more online. People don't want to come into um, to our operations. So how do we pivot how we service our customers and how we develop our products and whatever that is? And then from there, as the CHRO is in the room, hearing how the business is planning on pivoting, they take away, okay, here are the changes that we need with training. Here are the changes that we need with recruiting. Um, here are some uh, divisions of the company that might be at risk risk of a reduction in force. And so I, you know, we need to figure out which of those employees are transferable um, versus which might need to be severed um, and, and so on and so forth. So th- that in a nutshell is the, you know, kind of the, the mental gymnastics going, uh, taking place as business leaders look at, okay, so now that business is coming back, um, you know, for example, we, I mean, we see some some companies that have done extremely well throughout this process, like um, like you look at a, a company that was supposed to be, you know, significantly damaged by Amazon, like a Target or a Walmart, they've done very well. But how did they do it? By having a spot in the parking lot where when you pull up, you text, hey, I'm here. And somebody scampers out from the store with your, with your stuff and puts it, like who would have thought that that's what is the main driver for business during uh, during this time. But, you know, so you see some of these big box retailers figure out, okay, so I need to have more customer service people and, you know, whatever, whatever that looks like. But from a from an HR perspective, that's a pivot because I may I may have people in on the sales floor during that time, but they may not be the most guest friendly, the most um, uh, you know kind of eager to please. They may be folks that focus on stocking that are more um, introspective and and introverted, which is really effective when you want people stocking shelves. You don't want them being talkative and whatever. We you know we got productivity goals here. Well, no, now I need fewer of those folks, and I need people that are going to run out to people's cars and and be upbeat and thank them for coming. How do I get those? And so lo and behold, you end up having to change job descriptions, you change your recruiting process, your interviewing process, it's good stuff. Uh, I think one interesting thing that at least I've seen with some companies, and I think it's how you can tell a good leader from a, like a, a not so good leader, where you see some companies that as soon as there was wind of this pandemic that was going to hit our country pretty hard, everyone's like, we just got to start cutting people. We're not going to be able to afford to pay all these people because we're going to lose business. And then you see other companies that are like, well, instead of cutting people, why don't we not renew our contract with our building? Cause we're not going to be here for probably a year. And you see people working full time from home, not worried about, you know, going into an office and they save all that money instead of having to uh, cut employees. And I understand that for some companies, it was something that had to happen, uh, but other companies kind of tried to find workarounds. There will always be a, a portion, a segment of Americans that are between jobs, that have exited one job and are getting ready to start their next one or are looking for their next one. There will always be about 5%-ish of Americans that are that are doing that. 
Well, you know, so now for degreed professionals, for degreed professionals, um, so those folks with a bachelor's degree or higher, we're at 5.3% as of right now. And so, I mean, we're the jobs are there. And even though the national unemployment is high, I forget, was it like 8.8 or some, somewhere along there? That incorporates a lot of other demographics that don't describe the people listening to this, right? So degreed professionals, folks with bachelor's degrees or higher, you're in demand. There are jobs out there and we're getting close to the point where, um, I mean, the, the new floor was like, oh my gosh, we had like a, a 2.8% unemployment for degreed professionals. Miserable, miserable for, uh, for recruiters because they couldn't find anybody, right? I mean, they're just miserable, but it was awesome for job seekers, right? All the, all the, you know, students graduating were like, this is awesome. I've got five job offers. So those days are, are not, that's not likely to describe December that may describe May, but it's not likely to describe December, but there are plenty of jobs out there. They just need to be competitive for them. So they've got to be prepared to brush up the resume, brush up the LinkedIn network, et cetera. All of my May grads, all of my May grads in Arizona had jobs by the end of June. Um, and so and some of them didn't didn't start looking until they, you know, they got their diploma in the mail. And then I get a text message with a picture saying, hey, it's real now. And it's like, oh, my gosh, where have you been? What do you mean it's real now? It was real, you know, months ago. You've got to, you've got to go and job hunt. But then I worry about them saying you're getting a late start to this. You've got to go. But, uh, but, you know, lo and behold, I mean, they, you know, they, they all found work. And so, and, and those that wanted to work in HR, they all found it. So the jobs are there. And I know I get pinged quite a bit asking me, Hey, do you have any recent grads that are looking? And I push those opportunities out. So the, the opportunities are there, you know, and at some point I'm sure we'll talk briefly about like, you know, what, uh, what type of opportunities folks should look for, but just don't, you know, right now is not the time to be incredibly picky about the type of company, the type of, of role, et cetera, you know, be more interested in, in your values as a person and how that company marries with, um, with your values and whether there's a conflict. And then from there, as things die, you know, die down or quiet down, I guess, better choice of words, um, as things quiet down, um, you can then decide, all right, do I want to use this position as a springboard to another company or do I want to stay with this company and, and transfer into, you know, um, whatever, to promote up or tra- transfer in. But there are plenty of jobs available. They may just not be with the Apples and the Googles and the, and the whatever, the big names that everybody knows, but there are a lot of awesome jobs out there. I think that's a really good point that you made about, you know, it might not be the best job right now, but think about how it can basically serve you in the future. And I feel like that's something that I learned, you know, I when I entered the the workforce uh, in 2013, it was a couple years after the Great Re- Recession. And at the time, you know, it was really hard as a entry level employee to to find employment at that time because the the economy, the job market, et cetera, was still recuperating from all of the losses in 2008. And that was, I think, the guiding piece of advice I told myself in that process was it doesn't have to be the perfect job. It just has to be a job. And then I can figure it out from there. Uh, So I feel like the Great Recession has in some ways sort of um, primed me or readied me for for not the same disaster by any means, but, you know, a, a similar kind of economic hurdle. And I think that was a really important piece of advice. 
Yeah, no, I, I think you're spot on. And the, and the challenge, unfortunately, for students graduating now is they did not they did not experience that. They weren't, you know, they weren't paying attention to the job market when that when the Great Recession occurred. So to them, you know, to many of them, the world is ending. And so they look at this and they're like, oh my gosh, what is going on? It's not ending. It'll, it'll be fine. You'll be fine. Just stay focused. Just, you know, polish your LinkedIn, you know, um, immerse yourself in your profession, get involved with your local Sherm affiliate, be upbeat, but that won't be hard because as you interact with the HR professionals, you'll realize, wow, they're upbeat. And so, you know, it'll, it'll, it'll be contagious. It'll rub off on you. It'll be fine. Just stay focused and, and things will be fine. Great advice. Very positive. Yeah, I think. I think that's a great note to uh, end it on as well. No, I mean all I all I know is if if I was a student, I would I would probably listen to the, to that interview a couple times. <laughs> tell that to my students, Kevin. Come on, you know, every once in a while, I'm like, I tell you this, and you don't do it, but no, they come around at some point. <laughs> you sound like a fantastic instructor, by the way. I'm very um, engaged in this conversation. So thank you so much, Eric, for your thoughtful insight. I think students and emerging professionals are are going through a lot, but with your insights and your tips, tricks, advice, I am sure they will get through it. Right on. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming on. Thanks for having me. I I appreciate it. and, um, And by all means, let me know if there's anything I can do to help. And with that, we're going to start bringing this episode of Career Compass to a close. We'd like to thank SHRM and SHRM Foundation for providing us with this platform. But more importantly, we'd like to thank you all for joining us and hope you stay with us throughout the season as we discuss more topics like this episode. And for more exclusive content, resources, and tools to help you succeed in your career, consider joining SHRM as a student member. You can visit us at sherm.org forward slash students to learn more about being a part of a community of over 300,000 HR and business leaders who impact the lives of over 115 million employees worldwide. And speaking of topics, to learn more about today's topic and for more resources on COVID-19 as it relates to the workplace, please visit the COVID-19 resources page on sherm.org. We encourage you to subscribe to this podcast, whether that's on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And do you have a topic you think we should cover or a guest we should hear from? We'd love to hear it. Email us at careercompasspodcast at sherm.org. Lastly, are you looking for more work-related and career-related podcasts? If so, head to sherm.org forward slash podcasts and check out All Things Work and Honest HR. Thank you again for listening. We cannot wait to catch up with you next time on Career Compass.